kind of amazing that uh, 2013 is already almost almost over, <laughs> and 2014 is almost here. Um, it is a blessing to be able to come to this church and been here a few times, and every time uh, the church has been so friendly, and I count it just a great blessing to be able to come. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 63, Psalm 63. Now this is going to be a little uh, different of a sermon tonight. Um, it's, it's going to be more of a charge. It, this is a verse that has, the Lord's really used in my life, and uh, I really just want to share uh, some things about my life and then uh, how how this verse has really affected it, and hopefully that I can be able to get it across to you, and maybe it'll even be a help to you as you go into this new year of 2014. So Psalm 63, and I'll just read verse 1. It says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now, um, have you ever searched frantically for something? Have you ever, say you lost something, and you're looking all over your house for it, and you can't find it, and you're frantically looking everywhere, and you you just can't find this thing? Uh, Maybe it's, say, the TV remote. Um, I know that's something in our house that gets misplaced so many times, and uh, I we replace, we misplace it, and we can't find it. And maybe your favorite show is coming on in a few minutes, but you can't you can't uh, watch it without having the remote because you don't want to get up off off the couch. And, or maybe it's your keys. Uh, maybe you're going to be late to work, and you can't find your keys to the car or to the house uh, to lock up. And you're frantically searching, and you're already running late as it is. Oh. Or maybe, say it's your, your Bible, you can't find it, and you're already going to be late for the service, and you can't find your Bible, you don't want to go to church without it, uh, because I mean, that, you just feel so unspiritual for going to church without your Bible. <clears throat> or maybe it may not be something you've lost, but something you're just looking for, and you go to a store, you're looking for a certain thing, certain uh, your favorite cookies or... Uh, you're looking for uh, some clothes to buy, and you're searching for these things. Well, our author, or the author of this uh, psalm, David, King David, he was seeking something. He was searching out. Now, he hadn't, he hadn't lost what he was seeking, and he wasn't, um, well, he was, he was seeking He was seeking God. As we look into this verse, King David at this time wasn't king. He had been anointed of God, and he was in the wilderness of Judah. And he was running from Saul, King Saul, at this time. And being in the wilderness, he had very little water supply. And as it says uh, there at the end of the verse, it was a land where no water is. So, obviously, he was thirsty. If you don't have water for a while, I mean, you're going to be thirsty. So, he was thirsting uh, physically. He had a physical thirst. But when we see this verse, 
he was actually, he, learned, he yearned for God more than he yearned for that physical water. He yearned, uh, I don't know if you've gone uh, for a long time without water, but your body just craves for it, and you, your body needs it, because without it, you can't live. But King David here was, had such a desire to know God and to seek God that it was, it was a greater desire than he had for water at that time, even being in the wilderness. And we may, you know, see that and think, wow, that's, that's, that's quite a yearning to really know God and to really have a desire to seek God. And how, how, did, he, how did he have that? How did he have that, that, such a desire to know God more than he had for physical water? Well, I just want to kind of tell, a, tell my testimony of um, my own life. Uh, I was raised for the first 13 years of my life in Kenya, Africa, where my parents were missionaries. And... Though I grew up in a Christian home and a missionary home, uh, I was that didn't mean I was automatically saved, and so so I had to realize for myself my need of a savior and accept the Lord into my heart. So uh, it was about when I was six years old, I did just that. I accepted Christ as my own savior and asked Him to come into my heart. And as I continued to grow. Uh, it was about in 2004 when uh, we moved back to America. My dad was asked to become the uh, uh, chairman of the missions department there at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And it was also that same year, though, that I had begun to doubt my salvation. And through, through my growing up years, uh, I had always been encouraged to read my Bible, to have a daily devotion time, and to... Uh, develop my own relationship with God. And so I read my Bible faithfully, for, for the most part faithfully every day, but I didn't study it as I should have. I didn't memorize it as I should or apply it as I should have. And so in 2004, I started doubting my salvation, mainly for that reason. And as I, I grew up in the, uh, the youth department there at Southwest Baptist Church, I got, got involved in the youth department but the whole time, I was, just, I was just miserable because there was something wrong in my life, and I knew it. I didn't know necessarily what it was, but I, I knew something was wrong, and I was doubting my salvation. And uh, I did the thing where, uh, you know, Lord, if I'm not, I'm not saved, then save me now, uh, many times. And so just as I grew up, and even through my first year at Heartland, I, the same thing. I just struggled, and uh, it wasn't until about the summer of, uh, or after my freshman year and into my sophomore year, that uh, I started to realize uh, why that was, and started to realize uh, what a Christian, who, what a Christian really is, and uh, what seeking God and what relationship God really is, and how. Uh, how hard of a task it really is, <clears throat> and even through up through my well the last few years of college, even the last uh, several years, I've continued to 
uh, just see uh, what it is to have a close relationship with God and how that it must be applied to our lives. It must be memorized. It must be, uh, we must desire to know God, desire to seek him like King David did here. We can't just get up in the morning, read a Bible, pray, and call it good. We must earnestly desire to know God. And I think of, uh, if, if you just think of a relationships with other people that you have, uh, you don't just know them through uh, uh, talking to them once or so, or uh, you have to uh, get to know them. You have to uh, desire to build that relationship with them. And it's, it's like that with God. You have to truly desire to know God. You have to truly desire to seek Him and to try to build that relationship with Him through, through talking to Him and through having Him talk to you. Amen. And so it was, it was my sophomore year that I had gained reassurance of my salvation and uh, that, like I said, those, these last few years have just realized more and more uh, what it is to have a personal walk with God and how that, yes, it's through uh, as easy as reading your Bible and praying, but we also must pay attention to what we're reading and desire to uh, study it and memorize it and apply it to our own lives and learn all that we can uh, about God. And when I say knowing God, uh, it's not just knowing about him, not just knowing things about him. We can, someone can know about God, many things about the Lord and uh, how good he is, how merciful he is. But if, if that doesn't touch them, if, if that doesn't uh, touch their lives, change their lives, and, and give them a desire to truly know him in a personal way, then it's not going to change them as, as it should. And so if there was anything I would want to give to you for this new year is just like David here in Psalm 63 to seek God and to truly desire to know him with all your heart because, I mean, that's what, that's what life is. That's what life is about is glorifying God and truly knowing him as he is. And we do that through, like I said, just reading your, work, reading your Bible and praying to him, talking to him, speaking to God, uh, knowing him in a greater way. <clears throat> and so I earnestly uh, encourage you all that as you uh, go into this new year, to really think upon that and think about this verse. And I came across this verse this, it was probably this past summer and just through my Bible reading. And when I read that first verse, it just really hit, my, hit, me, hit me hard. And it um, so many times has, has touched my life. And it's, it's one that I have tried to commit to memory, uh, really the whole passage. And it's all a very good passage, but specifically that, First verse, and O oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. 
my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. But do you desire to seek God in such a way? Do you desire to give up whatever you need to give up to know him better? Do you desire to, do you desire to seek God, um, to know God more than uh, your desire for water? I mean, I just, just think about that. Do you, do you have that uh, desire for God? And um, uh, just want to leave that with you tonight. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to come. And this break, this semester has definitely been something I've been looking forward to all semester. Um, just a little bit of a testimony with this semester. This is my senior year, and um, but I decided to go ahead and start working on my master's along with this year, as well as being on the group and working a job. So this semester became a lot busier than I was ever planning on it when I was looking forward to it, like going through the years, and then suddenly I found myself with one class reading 1,200 pages, and it slowly started building up, and I was like, how am I ever going to get this done? But it was just um, a blessing seeing how the Lord worked through it all. Um, John, excuse me, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. He'll go ahead and turn there and um, verse 33. And I always enjoy the privilege of getting to preach when I'm home. I consider it a great honor and privilege. John chapter 13 and verse 33. John writes here and says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And a lot of times people ask the question, how can the world actually identify Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus? Is it by what they say? Is it by what they wear? Is it by their not doing of certain actions and their doing of certain other actions? If we look at just the um, world around us, let's look at the sports world. You go to a football game, what is the most distinguishing aspect between the two different teams? You look at the field as they're playing, and you can tell who is on which team by what? Their uniform. You can see one is wearing a green uniform, one is wearing a blue uniform. Or have you ever seen the Yankees game on the, in the train going to the subway and there's that one person in the middle of the car who everyone's looking at? He is wearing a Boston outfit. And everybody knows what he is standing for and everybody is not really happy that he's down in New York City or vice versa when the Yankees are up in Boston. Like there's a re- but you can tell where they stand by what they're wearing. You have someone who walks 
down the street. They're wearing matching pants, matching shirt, matching hat. It's made of green and tan patterns and has an American flag on the shoulder. Military. Automatically crosses your mind. That is the most distinguishing aspect of a soldier to the untrained eye is their uniform. That's what you say. That's a soldier from a distance. Uniform. In the Revolutionary War, at that time, they wore bright red, bright, bright colored uniforms. You could easily tell who was on which side. But a Christian doesn't walk around with an I love Jesus t-shirt on, and that's how you know they're a Christian. A Christian doesn't walk around wearing a uniform. That would be kind of weird if somebody came to church and we were all dressed exactly the same. That would be a little bit like, what's going on here? Christians don't wear a physical uniform. That isn't what distinguishes us and how the world tells us that we're Christians. And the world knows that we're Christians. As we look at this passage, this is um, after the Last Supper, after Jesus washed their feet, and Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. In verse 33, he's telling them, I am leaving this earth. I am no longer going to be here. And up until that time, up until this time, the easiest way for the Pharisees and the people in Jesus' day to tell who were Jesus' disciples is that they were physically walking with Jesus. Jesus was with them. They were with Jesus. They could see these are Jesus' disciples. But now, Jesus is telling them, I am no longer going to be here. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to go back to my Father. I am no longer going to be here. The world can no longer see you with me. You are no longer going to physically be seen by the world with me. Therefore, it's going to be harder for the world to see you or you are my disciples. And Jesus gives them a commandment. And he commands his disciples to love one another, but not just love one another. There's a different aspect he puts in there. In verse 34, it says, That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Is It wasn't something that they could conjure up within themselves. Jesus' love, we all know, John 3.16, how Jesus came and he... God gave His Son to this earth and sacrificed His Son to pay the debt for our sins. Speaking of the love of God that God loved His disciples with. It is physically impossible for carnal human beings to love one another with that same level of love. Earlier in this chapter, in its context, Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet, which was the lowest task that someone could do in that day. It was utterly revolting to someone who considered themselves to be anything. And Jesus had done that for his disciples. Jesus had many times taught, rebuked the disciples and told them, No, O ye of little faith, he had told them straight to their face, in love. He wasn't just trying to beat their heads in. He was trying to get them and teach them and cause them to learn through love. And Jesus is telling his disciples that they had to love one another with the same love that he had loved them with. And that is something 
that he tells the disciples it's so important. Yes, it's a good thing, but why is this so important? Why say, why do we need to go to that extent? Why can't we just be friendly? Why do we have to go to the extent of loving one another as Christ loved us? Because as we look in verse 35, it's by loving one another, loving the disciples as Christ had loved them already, that the world truly would recognize them as Jesus' disciples. Because in verse 35 it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. More than their vocal witness for Christ, the love that they had in their lives for one another would be the greatest testimony that they were Jesus' disciples. It wasn't going to be how they dressed. It wasn't going to be that they could be physically seen with Jesus anymore. It was that their lives showed forth the very love of Christ. And this is a supernatural love that could only stem from a relationship with God. As you see, Christ's disciples can be recognized as Christ's disciples, and the world will identify Christ's disciples when they are exercising Christ's love to one another. When Christ's love is being shown from one Christian to another, that level of love that Christ has then the world truly can say, that person is a Christian. They're going to know that you're a Christian. Not because of what you say, not because of what you wear, but because Christ's love is showing in your life. Christ's love is the mark we are to aim for. As we make decisions, because if you are saved tonight, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded His disciples here in John chapter 13, but He gave to each of us the same commandment as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we're going to love one another as Christ also loved us. It isn't something that we can conjure up in ourselves. We can attempt to be sociable with each other. We can attempt to... um, put up with each other, but that's the same thing the world does. In Christians' lives, there should be something more evident. There should be something that is shining forth that is from Christ. It should be Christ's love that isn't self-centered. Because Christ, um, Jesus um, talks about this same commandment again in John chapter 15 and says, 15-12 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is talking about something that's radical here. He's not talking about status quo of simply being friends or being in a social group that can um, put up with each other. He's talking about something that's so far beyond what humans are ready to do. When we think of Christ's love and how He loved us, we realize that we cannot ever attain to that outside of Jesus Christ. But that is what Jesus has called His followers to do, is to love one another as Christ loved us. Every aspect 
of our life, we should need to ask the question, does this resemble Christ's love as we make actions, as we interact with our fellow Christians and the world? Because only when Christ's love is showing through us can we truly be a witness to the lost world. Jesus, John later writes in 1 John, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is a commandment, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. It isn't something that is easy. It isn't something that we, it comes naturally from us. I've already said that. It is something that God has to work in us and work through us so that God's love is evident and God can truly work in our lives. And it isn't just something that's social. It isn't just something that I'm going to be nice to you. But it is something where we are willing to give up of ourselves. It becomes not about us, but about Christ. And God's love can shine through us because no longer are we focused on ourselves. And it's something, as I said with Christ's love, it was caring, it was sacrificing. It was something that was serving. Christ washed the disciples' feet. Christ set the example for us with his love. And as we look at our lives, are we willing to sacrifice our personal desires and our personal wants and rather put Christ first and allow his love to dictate our actions? So Christ's love will shine through us and we will exercise and emulate Christ's love. And then the world truly can see that we are disciples of Christ. And we truly can be the witness to the world that we must be. Because if we are going to be a witness to the world, if we are going to make a difference in the world, they must see that we have Christ in our lives we must see, and the way, according to this passage, that the world is going to know that we are God's disciples is when we have Christ's love expressed in our lives, which only comes from God. A soldier caught out of uniform behind enemy lines, at least in the old days, was shot as a spy. But how many times are we, and myself personally, not showing the colors of a Christian in the world in which we live? The Christian uniform is Christ's love. We cannot put, we don't put on a physical uniform, as I said at the beginning. What the Christian uniform is, is Christ's love. And when that's showing, that will be as easily identifiable as a Marine walking down the street in full dress blues. It will be that identifiable. And they will say, the world will know, hey, that person is a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because there's something inside them that did not come from themselves. There is something inside them that can only come from God. And that's God's love. And I see it expressed in their lives. 
And the world is going to know, you are my disciples. Yes, what we say is important. Yes, how we act and what decisions we make are important. How we dress is important. But all that should rather be dictated by the love of Christ that should be evident in our lives. When that is evident in our lives, everything else should fall into place and the world will know that we are truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. As I was studying for this message, I came across this quote. It said, Orthodoxy, or following all of this, without principal obedience to this characteristic command, is merely so much humbug, is how the, author, is how the writer put it. Without the love of Christ, everything simply becomes motions of the Christian life. Without something, because then it is what we are doing and not the love of God constraining us and the love of God making, dictating in our lives what we should be doing. And as the new year comes in, I know in my life there's changes I have to make. I know there's things I need to do in my life so the love of God can shine through in each actions and how I treat my brothers and sisters, both literally and in Christ, and how I think of authority. The love of God needs to shine forth. It needs to be as evident as a uniform on a soldier. Does your life stand out in this world as a disciple of Jesus Christ? If not, we need to make some decisions tonight. Do you love the brethren as Christ loved the brethren? In our own strength, we can't. But through God, we can. And God's love will shine and the world will know. And we won't have to go around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, though we should. The world will know because our life will back it up. Can the world see a uniform? Or are we hiding? Are we disguised when we should be standing forth?